0: What is the proper etiquette of listening to the Qur'an, listening to the recitation of the Qur'an? What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? That when the Qur'an is being recited, how should we listen to it? That we should pay close attention. How can you pay close attention? How can you do that? By being silent first of all. That's the first step. Because if we're talking, then there's no way we can listen attentively. So the first step is to be silent. And the second step is to pay attention we learned that the jinn, when they heard the recitation of the Qur'an for the first time, they had no idea about what the proper etiquette was. But they said to one another, that be quiet and listen attentively. These are the words of Allah. This is something serious and out of respect. Even if we don't understand what it means, what should we do? Be silent and listen attentively. So inshallah, whenever the recitation of the Qur'an is being played, please make sure that we do that. Be silent and listen attentively. And it's quite possible that the person sitting next to us or behind us or in front of us is talking to us. So at that time, what should we do? Tell them also to be quiet. And there's one simple way. Just put your finger on your lips. Because it's quite possible we forget and we start talking. At that time, we should remind one another as well. Instead of talking with other people, what should we do? Remind one another. Because وَتَوَاصَلُ بِالْحَقِّ وَتَوَاصَلُ بِالصَّدْرِ Let's begin our lesson. أحمده ونصلي على الكريم أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم. Lesson number 17 Surah Al-Baqarah Ayah number 113 to 121 وقالت اليهود And the Yahud said nasara على شيء The Christians are not upon anything وقالت اليهود Notice the word قالت قالت is the feminine of qala Qala is he said and قالت she said. And over here we see Kalatil Yahud, The Yahud say. But what does it mean by قَالَ Why is she being used? Why is a feminine being used? Does it mean that all of the Yahud are females? No. In the Arabic language remember that every noun is either a masculine or feminine. In the English language we refer to things as feminine or masculine when they are people or living objects, living beings. But when it comes to non-living things we just refer to them as it. However, in the Arabic language, every object, every noun, whether living or non-living, has a gender. Meaning when you will refer to it, either you will use he or you will use she. Now, when it comes to names of people, when it comes to groups of people, nations, tribes, their names, they're always referred to as she. Most of the time, they refer to as she. So this is why Al-Yahud is being referred to as she. So, waqalatil yahud, the yahud said, laisatil nasara. لَيْسَتْ لَيْسَتْ is a feminine of laisa. Laisa, he is not. لَيْسَتْ she is not. Again, why is she being used? Because it's referring to nasara. And who are nasara? A group of people. So, the yahud say that the Christians are not ala shay'in upon anything. They are not upon anything. Meaning, they have no basis, they have no foundation. In other words, whatever beliefs they have, whatever religion they have is false, is wrong. Who says this about who? Look at the verse. The Yehud say this about the Christians. Why would the Yehud say this about the Christians? What was the belief of the Christians? Their belief was in who? Isa salam. They believed in him. And the Jews on the other hand, they rejected in him. The Christians, they believed in the sharia that was brought by Isa salam. So the Jews, they rejected Isa salam and his sharia. So how would they describe them? They are not upon anything. Their religion is false because of their belief in, in who? In Isa salam. On the other hand, وَقَالَتِ النصارى, And the Christians said that شيء, That the Jews are not upon anything. Meaning the Christians say that the Jews are wrong, their religion is wrong, their beliefs are wrong. Why would the Christians say this about the Jews? Because the Jews rejected Risa, they did not believe in him. So in other words, both of these groups, what are they doing? Negating each other. Negating one another. Saying that the other is wrong. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Wahum and they Yatluna al Kitab, they recite the book. Yatluna, Tilawa. Tilawa is from the root letters, talam, wow. tilawah is recitation. So both of them, meaning the Jews as well as the Christians, both of them recite the scripture. Which scripture is this? The Torah, right? The Jews, they recited the Torah and the Christians, what did they recite? The Torah as well as the Injil. The Christians recited both the Torah and the Injil. However, the Jews, they only recited which book? Only the Torah. Today, their book is known as The Bible. And you have the first testament which is the Torah and the second testament which is the Injil. And we see that the Jews refer to the first testament but the Christians they refer to both of them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَهُمْ يَتْلُونَ الْكِتَابِ Both of them, they recite the scripture, the same scripture. But look at them, they are rejecting one another. Both of them are saying that the other is wrong. It is said that this verse was revealed regarding a particular incident. Once there was a group of Christians who had come to Medina, to the Prophet ﷺ. And as you know, that there were also Jews who were residing in Medina. So some of the Jews, they came where the Christians were sitting with the Prophet ﷺ. And both the Jews and the Christians, they started having an argument. And both of them started negating one another. You can imagine if there is ever an interfaith event. Many times it goes very pleasant and many times it goes very unpleasant. So the same thing happened over there. The Christians and Jews started negating one another started saying, no, you are wrong. The other said, no, you are wrong. You are wrong. Allah says, وَهُمْ Kitab, They are the people of the book. If anything, they should have respect for one another. They should have respect for those who read the scripture. And they should not be denying, negating one another like this. And especially with regards to the Christians. They believed in Musa salam. However, at that occasion, just out of their hatred against the Jews, they said bad things or they completely negated Musa a.s. whereas in fact they believed in him. They rejected him whereas in fact they believed in him. If they believed in the First Testament that meant that they believed in Musa And if you think about it, in their scriptures, so many of the prophets are mentioned. And we know that Isa when he came, he did not bring a new law completely, but rather he came to remind the Bani Israel. And we see that despite this, the Jews and the Christians, they were negating one another so Allah says, وَهُمْ يَتْلُونَ الْكِتَابِ And they recite the book. And also if you think about it, people who are knowledgeable, then what is expected of them? That they should have respect for others. If you go to a workplace, and if there is a person, let's say your boss even, he doesn't know much about Islam, he doesn't know much about any religion, and he just doesn't like the fact that you pray. He says something wrong about your religion, tries to insult. Okay, you're like, never mind, he doesn't know anything. Okay, You ignore what he says. But imagine if the same words come from an academic, from a professor, from someone at a university. What would you say? That these people have no respect? It's not expected, right? That a person who is academic, who has knowledge, he must have tolerance. But if he does not have tolerance, then this shows how degraded that person is. So similarly, when the Jews and Christians, when they were insulting one another like this, it shows that they had no tolerance whatsoever. So Allah says, كَذَلِكَ. Likewise, the exact same thing. qala he said. Who said? الَّذِينَ those people who لا يَعْلَمُونَ who do not know. The people who do not have any knowledge, they say the exact same thing, meaning they say the exact same thing about the followers of other religions that they are wrong, meaning those people who have no knowledge, they consider themselves to be right and they consider everyone else to be wrong. The question is, who are these people? الَّذِينَ Those people who do not have any knowledge. They are those people who have not been given a scripture. The Jews were given a scripture, the Christians were given a scripture. Who was not given a scripture? The mushrikin, the Arabs. So they also considered themselves to be 100% right and everyone else, including the Jews, the Christians, to be wrong. If you think about it, you ask any person in this world, no matter what he believes in, what will he claim? That he is right and others are wrong. Every person claims that. So, كَذَلِكَ قَالَ الَّذِينَ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ مِثْلَ قَوْلِهِمْ Others have said that الَّذِينَ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ, This refers to those people from among the Jews and the Christians who did not have any knowledge of the book. I mentioned to you earlier that when it came to the people of the book, you could literally divide them into two segments. First of all, the scholars, those people who had knowledge of the scripture. And the other group, what were they? Completely ignorant of the book. Just like within the Muslims today, there are some people who know everything and there are others who know nothing. So Al Ladina lā who does it refer to? Those from among the Jews and the Christians who did not have any knowledge of the book. They said the same thing that Nasara Shay or Laysat Yahudu kadhalika qāl al-ladīna lā mīthla Allah says so Allah will judge between them ha kaf mim Hukum. What does Hukum mean? Judgment. So Allah will judge between them when Al Qiyamah on the day of judgment Wau Mim. concerning that which they were fihi in it يختلفون, they used to differ. Yahtalifun Ikhtilaf Kha Lam Fa and ikhtilaf is to differ with one another. All of the differences that people have today, when will they be resolved? On the day of judgment. Allah will judge between them. What does it mean by this, that Allah will judge between them? Has Allah not clarified the truth today? Of course, Allah sent His final messenger, sent His final book. Why? In order to show the truth, in order to clarify the truth. So, what does it mean by this judgment, hukum? Remember that when it comes to the hukum of Allah, the hukum of Allah is of three types. The first type of hukum is hukum ashari. Hukum ashari. Legal commands that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives. The commands which are about the religion. Like, for example, we have been commanded by Allah to pray, to give the zakah. So, what are all of these commands? Hukm al-Shar'i. Say that word. Hukm al The second type of commands that Allah gives are hukum al-Kawni. What is Hukm al-Kawni? Commands or decisions of Allah which are with regards to the creation. Like for example, Allah decides concerning someone that they should be born, or they should become sick, or they should become healthy, or they should become wealthy, or they should die. All of this is what? Hukum al kauni We know that Yusuf brother, when he was in Egypt, his younger brother was trapped over there. So he said that I'm never going to leave this place until either my father allows for me, or Ya'kum Allahulil, or Allah decides for me. So what kind of decision is that? Hukum al-kawni. And the third type of حُكُم is al الْجَزَاءِ Meaning of جَزَاء The judgment of Allah concerning someone's recompense. And when will this be? On the day of judgment. Allah will judge between them. Which kind of judgment is this? The third one. Meaning He will recompense them. He will recompense them. Those who are upon the truth, He will give them their reward. And those who are upon falsehood, they will get their share of Punishment. And when people will be given their reward or punishment on the day of judgment, then will the truth not be made very clear? Of course. In this world, it's confusing. Meaning people get confused with regards to what the truth is, what the falsehood is, why? Because of how people are. Like for example, people judge what Islam is by what? The behavior of Muslims. But can you say that Islam is what Muslims are? You can't say that. But people get confused with regards to the truth because of other people and their faith. Similarly, a person who is very wrong, who is being very oppressive, he's so successful, he's so wealthy. Does it mean he's right? No, he's not right at all. When will the truth be made very, very manifest and very, very clear? On the Day of Judgment. How? When every person will be given what they deserve. So, فَاللَّهُ يَحْكُمُ بَيْنَهُمْ يَوْمُ الْقِيَامَةِ فِي مَا كَانُوا فِيهِ يَخْتَلِفُونَ What do we see in this ayah? We see in the side that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is highlighting the difference that is between the Jews and the Christians. The Jews and the Christians, they are known as the people of the book. People who believe in the same prophets. The only difference is of Isa salam. Otherwise, they believed in the same prophets. But yet, look at the division that is amongst them. To the point that they were negating one another. To the point that throughout history, if you look at it, even until the time of the wasallam, there were so much division between the two For example, we learned that the Christians, even in the life of Isa a.s., how much opposition they faced from the Jews. How much opposition they faced from them. And if you think about it, they were the people who even believed in Musa the same prophet that the Jews believed in. But look at their division. This is despite the fact that they were people of the book. They had knowledge with them. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala equates them with who? Those who do not have any knowledge. If you think about it, people who have knowledge, a certain behavior is expected of them. And when they don't fulfill that, then they are equal to who? Those who are ignorant. And at this time, we should reflect on ourselves. It's quite possible that within Muslims, there are many differences. One prays in one way, another person prays in the other way. But does it mean that at this difference, we start calling one another kafir? that so-and-so prays like this, so they are not on the truth and they are disbelievers. Does it mean we should do that? Not at all. Because when the followers of the same book, believers in the same book, start looking at one another like this, then this leads to great division. This leads to great division, hatred. And such division, what does it do? People forget the main purpose and they get lost in the tangents. What's the main purpose that we should be worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? When it comes to salah, what's the focus? What's the purpose? Worshipping Allah. Yes, we should be very concerned about the proper way of praying, but just because someone did not raise their hands up to the same level as yours, you start thinking them as lowly, and you think that their salah is going to be rejected? No. So when people get lost in negating one another, then what happens? They forget the ruh of religion, the spirit of religion, which is the worship of Allah. And this is exactly what the next ayah tells us that woman of Lamu, who is more unjust? Mimman, than the one who Mana Masajid Allah. He forbade the Masajid of Allah Anyudkar Rafihasmu that the name of Allah be remembered in it, be mentioned in it. Great division between people of knowledge, between religious people. What does that lead to preventing people from the worship of Allah their division what does it lead to preventing people from the worship of Allah so waman azlamu and a person who prevents others from the worship of Allah there is no one who is more unjust than him waman azlamu azlamu is from zalam zulm ظلم. and what does zulm mean injustice literally the word zulm means naqs, to fall short in giving the right of the other to reduce their right. And if you think about it, this is what injustice is. That a person who deserves something when he's not given that, then that is ظلم upon them. So وَمَنْ azlamu, And who is more unjust than such and such person? This style is very common in the Qur'an. You will see this many times in the Qur'an. That who is more unjust than such and such person? And this expression does not mean that above this person there is no more zalim, But rather it means that this is the height of injustice. This is the height of injustice. Like, for example, if you say to someone, "I cannot agree more than this," meaning, I agree a hundred percent. Similarly, who can be more unjust than such and such person? Meaning, he is at the height of injustice. So, waman azlamu mimman than the one who. The word mimman is a combination of min and man. Min meaning from and man meaning who. Do you know the difference between the two now? Min is from and man is who. There's a difference only of one harakah, but the meaning is different. So, mimman than the one who, mana. Mana mim noon ain. Mana is to stop, to forbid someone, to prevent someone from doing something. It could be either through one's words or through one's actions. For example, somebody's doing something, you tell them to stop how? Verbally. You tell them stop. So, you stop them how? Through your words another is that a person is doing something wrong and you go to them and you take their hand and you pull it away so this is stopping someone how by your actions so the one who stops the one who forbids masajid allahi masajid is the plural of masjid and masjid is from seen jim dal any other word from the same root Sajda. what does sajda mean frustration masjid Masjid. This is ism zarf. What is ism zarf? I think I mentioned it to you before. It tells you about the place or the time where or when an action takes place. So masjid is the place where, what takes place? What do you do over there? Sajda. So masjid is the place of sajda. Meaning it's the place that has been fixed that over here people will only pray salah so the one who forbids from the masjid of allah from the mosques of allah what does he forbid over there and that yudhkara it is mentioned yudhkara dal kafra dhikr we have read the word udhkuru yudhkara it is remembered fiha in it meaning in the masjid in the mosque ismuhu his name whose name the name of allah and the word ism is from seen mim or even Waw mim. Remember, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. So he forbids that the name of Allah be remembered, be mentioned in the masjid, in the mosque. He stops people from remembering Allah in the masjid. Either he stops them verbally or he stops them by his actions. He turns people away from the masjid of Allah. So they don't come to worship Allah. And if they do come, they don't remember Allah, but they remember other things. And he endeavored. Sa'a, seen ayn ya. Sa'i is to run. Do you know about Sa'i when you go for Umrah, when you go for Hajj? What is Sa'i? When you go between the Safa and Marwa mountains, right? And there is a particular area which is between two green lights where men are required to run. So sa'i is what? Walking fast, running. And the word sa'i is not just used for literally running, but also being very active in doing something, being very diligent in doing something, struggling to do something, endeavoring to do something. For example, if a person is really struggling hard to fix up his resume, to get a better degree... To study hard, to work better. So what is that? Sari. Similarly, if a person is working very hard to promote a particular belief, to promote a particular concept, he's advertising something. So what is that? Sari. So this person, he is striving. He is very diligent in doing what? Fi kharabiha in the destruction of the masajid. Kharaab, kharaab. kharab means fasad. What does kharab mean? Fasad. And it is of two types. The first type of kharab is that which is tangible. So physically destroying, physically demolishing, ruining the masjid. Can you think of something? Physically destroying the masjid, Ruining them. Harming them. For example, making the masjid so dirty that it doesn't even look like a masjid anymore. Coming to the masjid with filthy socks so that the floor, so that the carpet, it stinks, it smells, so that people don't want to pray salah over there. Destroying the masjid, ruining the masjid, ruining the paint, ruining the walls, bringing food on the carpet so the carpet gets completely ruined. Not even taking care of the masjid, like for instance, in your house, you will be very particular about having a clean carpet, cleaning your house, cleaning the washrooms, making sure that everything is nice and bright and painted. But when it comes to the masjid, old carpet that somebody just you know, took out of their basement when they were renovating it, so they just donated it to the masjid, so they put it in the musalla. When was the wall painted? Oh, never. When was it cleaned? Yeah, the volunteers come and clean whenever they feel like it. Is that what we do with our houses? Kharab. spoiling, ruining the masjid. The second type of harab is intangible harab, which is to do such things in a place so that that place becomes empty. No one comes there, it's empty, it's barren. The word harab is used for when a crop is lying desolate, nobody's there to take care of it. So that field is empty. No farmer is coming, no person is coming to look after the crop. No, it's empty. So similarly, the kharaab of the masjid is when a masjid is empty. There are no people over there to worship Allah. So, وَسَعَى What does it mean then? That he is struggling, he is striving to destroy the actual building. And secondly, he is trying to make sure that nobody comes there to worship Allah. People stay away from the masjid of Allah. وَسَعَى harabiha. Allah says, "Ulaika those people ma kana lahum. It is not permissible for them an yaduxuluhad that they should enter it. dal khalam. Dukhul is to enter. They should enter the masjid illa except khayfin as ones who are afraid. Khayfin is plural of khaif Who is khaif One who has khawf. Khaw wa fa. One who is afraid. They should not enter the masjid except with fear. When a person has done something wrong then he must never dare to step into the masjid except with the fear of Allah. Forget about entering to destroy the masjid. لَهُمْ أَنْ يَدُخُلُوهَا إِلَّا And in general also, when we enter the masjid, how should we enter? With fear. Because that is a place where we are supposed to worship Allah. And how do we know if our worship is going to be accepted or not? They should be afraid. This is just like if you ever enter an examination hall, how do you enter? With fear. For them, people in this world is خزيون. What is خزيون? Humiliation, disgrace. And for them in the hereafter is عذابٌ عظيم, a great punishment. Why? Because they're preventing people from worship of Allah, from remembering Allah in the masjid. And secondly, they're striving to destroy the masjid. What is a masjid? What is a mosque? Why is it built? Why is it constructed? What's the purpose? A mall, it's built, it's made. wise so that people go, they shop. A masjid. What is the purpose of the masjid? To worship Allah. To perform salah in congregation, to worship together. So the main maqsad, the main objective of a masjid is the worship of Allah. Over here we see, a يُذْكَرَ The vicar of Allah. And secondly, the purpose of the masjid is also ta'lim. The Prophet ﷺ Sallam, In the masjid, he led people in salah. And secondly, he also taught people in the masjid. So the dhikr of Allah is the main objective. And dhikr of Allah is done in two ways. By worship and by ta'leem, by education, by knowledge. Knowledge of what? Of the deen. This is the main purpose of the masjid. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that the one who is striving, striving to do what? to ruin the masjid, and he is preventing people from remembering Allah is the one who is the greatest unjust person. The greatest unjust person. The one who stops people from remembering Allah in the masjid. My question is, how can people be stopped from the worship of Allah in the masjid? How can people be prevented from that? Sometimes we see that literally people are stopped. For example, somebody wants to go to the masjid, they are stopped. For example, the husband wants to go pray salah in the masjid, and the wife says, no, no, don't go. Stay with me, I don't want to be alone at home. Literally stopping people from remembering Allah in the masjid. Secondly, if such things happen in the masjid, that repel people from the masjid, that instead of wanting to come to the masjid, they want to run away from the masjid. And this could take many shapes and forms. Like for example, one could be that people, every time they come together in the masjid, they're always arguing and fighting. Always negative things are being said. So a person never wants to go and listen to any lecture, listen to any khutbah, because they know that the moment they're going to go there, people are going to start saying negative things to them or about them. When a person is insulted in the masjid, they don't want to come back again. For example, if a woman walks into the masjid, and she is not wearing a hijab, if she's told, sister, how can you come here? Why are you here? I remember this lady came up to me and she said that one of her sisters, she is somewhere in the States and she was with her friends and they wanted to see how Muslims pray. So she told her friends that it's Friday. You know, I was thinking of going to the Friday prayers. Why don't you come along with me? So they all went with her. All of them went. None of them was obviously wearing the hijab. And when they went there, the lady who was in charge in the women's section, she said, you're not allowed to come here. Qur'an, your hijab, only then you can come. And these girls are not Muslim, they cannot come. She literally, literally turned them out of the masjid. And they don't want to know anything about Islam. If somebody comes in, they appear to be not a Muslim, or they appear to be somebody who doesn't know much, how should you treat them? Welcome them. Greet them with a smile. Tell them, may I help you sister? You know, are you here to visit somebody? You have some questions? You know, whatever you can do, welcome them nicely so that they feel like coming to the mosque, not running away from the mosque. So people are being prevented from remembering Allah, from worshipping Allah, from learning anything about the deen. Similarly, when people come in and they are forced to give charity, like for example, somebody standing at the door, sister, before you step out, put something in this box. You know what? You never want to go there again. You never want to go there again. Similarly sometimes, such things are done in the masjid. Like for example, the masjid is so dirty, it is so filthy, that you don't want to go. For example, you know that a particular masjid, their washrooms are very filthy. I'm not going there. Their washrooms are very filthy, their carpet stinks. Now, who's the one doing this? Many times it's us. Who goes to the masjid? Who he do. When we go to the masjid washrooms, if we don't bother to flush the toilet, if we don't bother to clean the counter, what are we doing? we are turning people away. Tell me, when you use your washroom at your own house, do you flush? I hope you do. Because many times it's unfortunate when you go to a masjid's washroom, it's filthy. It's wet. The counters are all wet. Nobody wants to come there then. So we have to be very careful that it's quite possible that because of our actions, people are being turned away from the mosque. People don't want to come and pray people don't want to come and learn. Similarly, if we're sitting over here and if we don't take care of our bodies, like for example, we're sitting here and we haven't showered or we haven't brushed our teeth and as a result, every time we speak, we have bad breath or the person sitting next to us can you know, smell our clothes because it's stinking of food, because we've been cooking and we didn't bother to change, we didn't bother to take a shower, we didn't bother to freshen up. People don't want to come again. They don't want to come and sit in that majlis and learn. They don't want to stand and pray right next to you. So we have to be very careful with regards to the cleanliness of our own bodies, of our clothes, of the places that we sit in, the places that we use, everything. Because you never know because of our actions, other people might be turned away from the worship of Allah. We should be calling people to the worship of Allah, not turning them away. It could be our bad behavior, it could be our bad actions. So we must become very, very careful. of Look at the ayah. Allah says, Who is more unjust than this person? He is the greatest criminal. The one who prevents people from remembering Allah in the masjid. People should not enter masjid except for how? With the fear of Allah. خائفين. خائفين of who? Fearful of who? Of Allah. You know, when you go to, for example, a mall, you're not going to throw garbage like that. If you are drinking something, are you just going to leave the bottle on the side? No, you're going to go find the garbage can and you're going to throw it over there. Similarly, tissue, what do we do with it? We hold it, we keep it on our bag until we find a place where we can discard it. But why is it so that when it comes to the masjid, it doesn't matter, that we're sitting on a desk, we're eating, and we leave the leftovers even over there. This is not right. We should have fear of Allah. In the mall, in other public places, who are we afraid of? People. What are they gonna say? Or we're afraid of somebody who's gonna catch us doing that. It says, don't litter. This many dollars, fine. And we don't even dare litter. Because we're afraid that we'll be caught and we will have to pay a fine. But when it comes to the masjid of Allah, there may not be any cameras, video surveillance, but you should know that there is video surveillance over here. So anytime a person is doing something wrong, yeah, they should be afraid. Secondly, we should be afraid because who is watching us? Allah is watching us. This is the house of Allah. And we should be afraid of Allah who is Samir, who is Basir. None of our actions are hidden to Him and none of our words are hidden from Him. So whenever we do something in the masjid, say something in the masjid, leave something in the masjid, who should we fear? Allah, He is watching us. And okay, He might not catch us immediately. But in the hereafter, look at the verse. Allah says that, لَهُمْ فِي الدُّنْيَا خِزْيٌ وَلَهُمْ فِي الْآخِرَةِ For them is humiliation in this world and a great punishment in the hereafter. If a person ruins, destroys, dirties the masjid of Allah, there are great consequences. If a person stops people from the worship of Allah in the masjid, there are great consequences. Allah says in Surah Al-Anfal that وَمَا لَهُمْ يُعَذِّبَهُمُ اللَّهِ وَهُمْ يَصُدُّونَ عَنْ مَسْجِدِ الْحَرَامِ Those people who prevent others from the masjid, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will punish them. A great punishment in the hereafter. Let's listen to the recitation and there are some lessons that I want to discuss with you.
1: فَاللَّهُ يَحْكُمُ بَيْنَهُمْ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ فِي مَا كَانُوا فِيهِ يختلفون.
0: Do you know the story of Abraha? The man who came with his army of elephants in order to destroy the Kaaba? In Surah Al-Feel we learn about that. He was striving in order to destroy the masjid, in order to remove people from there so they don't worship Allah over there, but rather they should come to his temple. Then the mushrikeen of Makkah, what did they do? They also drove the Muslims out of Makkah. There were times when if the Prophet ﷺ would be worshipping Allah in the haram, near the Kaaba, what would the mushrikeen do? They would come and physically harm him, physically harass him. And it came to such an extent that the Muslims had to leave Makkah and they had to migrate to Medina. And when they came in order to perform their umrah, what happened? They did not let them enter. And that is when the Treaty of Hudaybiyah took place. So, they were preventing others from the masjid, from worshipping Allah in the masjid. Some people do this deliberately, actively, and other people do this without even realizing. We might not do this deliberately, stopping people from worshipping Allah in the masjid, but we might do this unintentionally. We might do this because of our careless attitude, because of being negligent, but the consequences are severe. So we have to become very careful. And a person can only become careful in the masjid when he has khawf of Allah. When he enters the masjid, khawfifin, then he will be careful. Then he will not be negligent. We learn from a hadith that there was once a Bedouin man who came to the masjid and he went on to the side and he urinated. Imagine the masjid, clean place to perform salah. And he goes on urinating in the masjid. So the people ran in order to stop him. The Prophet said, leave him. Don't say anything to him. When he finished, then the Prophet said to him that إن هذه المساجد لا تصلح لشيء من هذا that these masajid it's not right that we should urinate here, defecate here. No, this is not what the masjid is for. إنما هي لذكر الله عز وجل والصلاة وقراءة القرآن that these masajid are for what the remembrance of Allah and for Salah and for the recitation of the Quran. So this hadith tells us that the purpose of the masjid is what? These three things. Dhikr of Allah, Salah, and al Qur'an. We also see in this verse that it is prohibited to stop people from remembering Allah in the masjid. So we cannot stop people from performing the Salah in the masjid. We cannot stop people from reciting the Qur'an in the masjid in any way, shape or form. It's quite possible that we go to a masjid and we want to be in the front So what do we do? We put our bag, and our friend calls us, I'm coming as well, so please reserve a spot for me, so you reserve a spot for them as well. And what happens? There are people coming in, in order to recite the Qur'an, in order to pray Salatul Tarawih, but what happens? They don't find any empty spots, because all the spots are reserved. When we are reserving those spots, are we not preventing people from worshipping Allah in the masjid? Yes. Because in the masjid, who has the greatest right? The person who has come first, he has the greatest right. But if we reserve a spot for our friend, for our mother, for our sister, who is not even here yet, and for an entire hour that spot is empty, but it's reserved, and there are people praying outside, or there are people praying with great discomfort, then what are we doing? You know some scholars, they have said, it is not allowed to reserve any spots in the masjid. And I'm making this very clear to you, because the month of Ramadan is coming. Salat is coming. So when we go, please, in the masjid, people get their spots. On what? First come, first serve basis. This is how you get your spot. Because if we're preventing people, then we could be committing a great crime. The thing is that, if a person is in the masjid, for example, you came early, you came and sat in the front chairs, but you have to go to the washroom to make wudu. So you go to the washroom, but before you go, you can leave your bag over there. Why? Because you are in the masjid. You did come first. But if you book a spot, if you reserve a spot for someone who's not even there, then that is wrong. That is not right. Then we also learn in this verse that the masajid, the mosques, who are they for? Who do they belong to? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because Allah says, masajid, Allahi, the mosques of Allah. And when such is the case, then whose name should be exalted in the masjid? Allah. Who should people be called to? Allah. Certain names of other people or promoting your own sect, that is not permissible because there are many sects out there in the Muslims. A lot of division, a lot of sectarianism. So you cannot be promoting your own sect, calling people to, listening to or following one particular scholar only or one particular imam only. No, that is not the case. When it comes to the masjid, it belongs to who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So people should be called to the worship of Allah. And when people are there, whose name should be exalted? The name of Allah. Then we also learn that when the masajid are for Allah, then the masajid should be kept very clean. We learn that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded Ibrahim salam, طَهِّرْ Bayti, Clean my house. Keep it clean. So it's not an obligation on the cleaners to clean the masjid, my dears. Whose obligation is it? All of us. So this means that when we come to the masjid, what do we do? We don't create any mess first of all. If it does happen, be responsible and please clean up after yourself. And secondly, if we ever come to the masjid and we see some mess, don't think that, yeah, the cleaners will come and they will clean it up. No, what should we do? Pick it up ourselves. At your house, what would you do? Leave the mess? You wouldn't do that. You would pick it up, you would clean it up. Nobody likes to have a dirty house. Why are we okay with having a dirty masjid? The masajid are for Allah. And if we have respect for Allah, this means that we should have respect for the masjid. Then we also see that all people are equal when it comes to the masjid. Because Allah says, Allahi, the mosques of Allah. And people come to the mosque, why? To worship Allah. All people are required to worship Allah. So whoever comes in the masjid, whether it's the president, or it is the garbage man, any person... All people are equal. This is why we see that at the time of the Sahaba, even even after that, and even today, when people go to the masjid, what are they supposed to do? Everybody prays together, whether it is slaves or their owners, standing shoulder to shoulder. I remember I saw one scene once, and I was so amazed by that. I was visiting somebody's house, and this was in Pakistan and those of you who are familiar, that in such countries, people hire others to work in their house, to drive for them, to guard their houses. So there are many servants in the house. And these people who who I was visiting, I looked out the window, and I saw that the man whose house it was, he was standing, leading salah, and all of the people who were working for him, they were praying with him right behind him. And I was amazed by that. I mean, here is a man who has hired all of these people, and they're serving Him, cooking for Him, cleaning for Him, washing for Him, driving for Him, doing everything for Him. But they're praying in the same salah together. He perhaps knew the most Qur'an, this is why He was leading all of them. But when it comes to the worship of Allah, all people are equal. And when it comes to the masjid of Allah, again, all people are equal. This is why also we're not allowed to reserve any spots for others because everyone has equal right. Then we also see that in the masjid, youth يُذْكَرَ فِيهَ hasmuhu. What's the purpose that the name of Allah is mentioned? If you think about it, it hasn't been mentioned that Ayudkara fiha, that Allah is mentioned in it. What has been mentioned? That Allah's name is mentioned in it. I want you to notice this. Look at the ayah. fiha ismuhu. Ismuhu has been mentioned. Why? Why has his name, his ism been mentioned? Because Allah is remembered how? By the mention of his names. So when we pray Salah, what do we mention his name subhana al azim subhana rabbi similarly when we do any dhikr then what are we to do mention the name of Allah Allahu akbar subhanallah alhamdulillah la ilaha illallah Allah. all of these adhkar what do they have in them the name of Allah in them so Allah is remembered how by the mention of his name so if a person just says he, 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 is that remembering Allah in the right way? If you're saying he, you're not mentioning the name of Allah. So there's some people who say that when you remember Allah, say huwa. When you say huwa, is the name of Allah mentioned in that? No. How is Allah remembered? By the mention of his name. And yudhqara fiha ismuhu, the ism of Allah has to be mentioned. Because that is the way of remembering Allah. Then we also learn in this verse that it is forbidden to do anything that would cause destruction of the masjid, whether tangible or intangible. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala called this the greatest injustice. So this shows that doing any kharab in the masjid is forbidden.